Hello and welcome to the Total Quadball podcast, a place where we talk to the people who make quadball what it is and give them an opportunity to share their stories and experiences of the sport. I'm Fraser and I'll be your host. Episode 74, part 13 of the Roads Richmond World Cup project. It's now time for our last Asian episode and it's one that's particularly close to my heart, Hong Kong. By land size, the smallest nation represented at this year's World Cup. This will be Hong Kong's third appearance on the international stage after making their debut at the IQA World Cup 2018 and finishing 25th before they competing as special guest at the IQA European Games 2022, finishing in 19th. Once more with a reinvigorated roster, the national team returns and looks to continue developing and playing at the highest level of the sport. For full transparency, for those of you who don't know, I'm in fact the head coach and one of the players for the Hong Kong national team. Um, but instead of having a very odd, very obnoxious, egotistical self-interview episode, which, yeah, would just be very weird, um, I'll instead be talking with the team's manager and the NGB president of the HKQA, who none of this is possible without. Uh, I'm pleased to welcome Chris Lau to the podcast. Good evening, Chris. How are you doing? Um, I'm good. Thank you, Fraser, for inviting me to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to have you. And uh, yeah, and uh, I'm, I'm very glad that you're here. So we didn't have to have that weird interview where I'd talk to myself. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, obviously, you, you've been a key figure in developing quad ball in Hong Kong for many years. And uh, yeah, one of the people working behind the scenes that, uh, yeah, people may not have heard heard about before or know all the hard work you do. So, yeah, very happy to have you here. Thank you. Um, so to start our episode off, uh, just to kind of fill our listeners in uh, about quad ball in Hong Kong, because I don't think it's something that many people really know about. Um, so could you give us a brief history of the sport in Hong Kong? How did it start? What clubs are involved? What competitions you played in? What's the community like? And like, what challenges are involved? Yeah, just give us sort of a nice, neat summary of all that would be would be great. Yeah, so um, uh, quite a long time ago, so back in 2015, I have a friend at uh, university, uh, Wee Lee Tam, who first wanted to build a Quidditch club at our university. Um, so he bought uh, some rooms from the United States. I think they are, they are very old ones, actually. So they are not even in a, they are curved ones. Um, and he, he made some hoops and we tried to have a few tryouts, but the club didn't really take off, I guess, because we didn't have anyone who tried playing the game before. Um, and then in, I think, 2016, I was in uh, London as an exchange student and, and I tried playing quad ball with one of the local clubs and someone there told me that uh, there's someone from Hong Kong who played Quidditch there called Ao. That's when I got in touch with uh, Thomas Ao and when I'm back in Hong Kong we organized some more tryouts and with his help we start having more and more players and in 2018 um, I invited a team from South Korea, Seoul Puffskins, to fly to Hong Kong to have an exhibition match with us. And it really attracted many to come uh, watch the game and 
afterwards play with us. And in the same year, we are very fortunate to have formed our NGB and played at the World Cup for the first time in Florence. And we also um, have um, appearances as uh, we sent a club to the Asia Pacific Quidditch Cup in 2019, which was in Seoul, Korea. And the development was in good progress. We were about to send a 25-person squad to the World Cup in the US in 2020. But then, of course, unfortunately, uh, we have COVID. And uh, that really stopped our development because uh, most of the pitches were closed during the pandemic. And after the pandemic, we played at the European Games, as you have mentioned, and we'll now be playing the World Cup this year. So it's really exciting. And this year, we also organized our first official local quad ball cup in Hong Kong. And there was also a team from Tokyo who flew from Japan to play with us uh, in April. So um, we are hopefully um, recovering from the pandemic. Yeah, that's a good way of uh, of summarising everything. And uh, yeah, real credit to, to Willie Tam and to Al Thomas for everything they did to really help the sport go on and to help you yourself. Because obviously, if it's one person trying to organise everything, it's very difficult. But to have the, the energy from these other people to help out, and especially Al with his experience from playing in Bristol, to be able to organise the team a bit more in terms of practising and then eventually playing um yeah two two really important figures in in hong kong quad ball history at this point um yeah. but uh it, it's it's really fascinating um sort of the commitment i've always found from players in hong kong that it's it's a very small community uh, and like you can practice locally but then to play a game you even need to invite people from japan or south korea or you need to go to uh, Vietnam or whatever. There's there's quite there's quite large distances to, to travel in order to play this sport competitively. Um, but it, it's great to see, and well, on a very personal level, it always warms my heart to to see the, the activity going on in Hong Kong. Yeah, it's uh, not easy for us because, as I just said, we don't have that many players, so. Um... We just need to um, travel to other Asian countries and the coming World Cup, like uh, it will be a great opportunity for our local players to travel and play with other nations. Yeah, definitely. Definitely so. The, <laughs> but I, I guess the good thing this year, obviously, be able to host the, the Hong Kong Quad Ball Cup, have two different teams playing. Um, and just be, be able to host an event like that. Um, there's some like good live streaming going on. Um, obviously, getting a visiting team down from Japan to play as well as part of the tournament. Um, yeah, it's it's very exciting to be able to to do these things. And yeah, sometimes it's just about sometimes it's just about making the sport more visible. Uh, as m maybe not having a Hong Kong Quad World Cup previously. Uh, didn't highlight the sport to others, but be able to have these tournaments and to show that this is a really fun thing to do and a great way of 
traveling around Asia, traveling around the world, playing a sport. Uh, yeah, it's very important. Yeah, as you have said, we want um, the sport to have more visibility in Hong Kong, and we don't we don't just always want to have um, trainings, and we want more competitiveness, and that's why we have the Quad Ball Cup this year. Um, and also the invitational match with a team from Japan and three grades. We have, as you have said, the live stream. And after the tournament, we have uh, news reports about the tournament and about the team from Japan. So I think it really helped with uh, promoting the sport in Hong Kong. Yeah, exactly. And uh, well, I'd like to think that uh, we'll, we'll talk about later, obviously, that the national team will also get some some coverage and some exposure for for Quapple, uh at, at this World Cup and beyond. Yeah. Um, so moving on to our next question, just kind of looking back at the previous two uh, appearances of the Hong Kong national team, which, as we mentioned, were 2018 in Florence at the World Cup five years ago, and last year at the European Games over in Ireland. Um, so yeah, you you played on both those teams, um, and yeah, could, could you give us a bit of a insight? Like, how does playing at this European Games level or World Cup level compare to playing quad ball in Hong Kong or playing in Asia? Um, I think generally playing at IQA tournaments is definitely more challenging for players who are based in Hong Kong, as we need to face players who are in on average. Um, have more competitive experiences than us and are just bigger in size than us. Um, it is more fast-paced with more physical contact when compared to like uh, the games we have in Asia. And uh, in Hong Kong, um, we don't really have that many competitions, so we are not playing that intensively. Um, so uh, it will be very physically demanding for us at the IQA tournaments, playing maybe six to eight games over two days. Yeah, that's very true um, from what I've experienced of it. Uh, and the At the World Cup and then both at, at uh, European Games as well last year, we were bringing players who in some cases were playing in their first ever tournament um, and playing against people who've been playing for five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years uh, in the sport. Um, and the, the experience or sort of inexperience shows um, and like the the exposure to playing that level. Yeah, it's it, it's a big, um, it's a big challenge to overcome. Um, that's always been the challenge with the national team, right? It's being able to have these players um, and get them up to that standard or being able, be able to have them compete at that level uh, despite the lack of being able to play tournaments. Um, so when when the team performs well against those more experienced opponents, against those more physical opponents, it's very rewarding. Yeah, I think that will be a very good chance for our local players to learn and to improve and bring their ex experiences back to Hong Kong and teach others and share the experiences yeah definitely um and that there's certainly value of playing teams at your level getting a chance to have a close game here or there get a chance to win a game um 
and that that's great. But at the same time, you do need to play players that are better than you to learn from them uh, and to make mistakes in those games and to yeah know what to do better next time. Um, and we've certainly had a few of those moments at those tournaments. Yes. Um, so it's very it's a very valuable experience for both the players you get to go, but also the growth of the game in Hong Kong, the growth of the game in Asia as a whole. Yeah, I, I, I think even in other sports, Hong Kong does not always perform the best, but uh, it always it, it always is a good experience to learn from others and just to do our best and uh, let people in Hong Kong know that there's a sport called uh, quad ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, so, yeah, kind of looking at those two tournaments so far, um, what have you been your favourite moments uh playing with the Hong Kong national team? Um, my favourite moment from the World Cup in Florence is uh, definitely the moment when we won our first match against Finland, uh, when our player, Kelvin Ng, caught a snitch. Uh, it was our first win internationally, so everyone was very excited. Um, yeah, and uh, we didn't have lots of preparation before the tournament because maybe some of us only started playing quad ball that year, but uh, we still managed to get a win, so it's very exciting. Um, and in the European games, my personal favorite moment was when I scored a goal against Scotland. It's, <laughs> it was my first goal at an IQA tournament. Nice, yeah, like two two great moments to pick out there. Um, and yeah, yeah, firstly, the, the win over Finland um, was... Yeah, an incredible moment, um, and like I still look back at the photos from that game and some just some great memories. Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting just to kind of see, I don't know, people's different experiences of the sport. Obviously, by that time in 2018, I'd played for that's my fourth year in the sport, playing um, at club level. I played the previous year internationally for Spain, um, but yeah, we had so many new players the sport playing their first first ever tournament um and being exposed to that level and sort of in the days building up to it um myself and the other experienced players were sort of thinking hmm how's this going to work how are we going to make this team come together in a very short space of time um so to be able to win a game like that and have it on the live stream have it for for the records out there so we can watch it back and look at my own mistakes on a personal level, um, but also look at the triumphs of the team um, and the celebrations after. Yeah, just incredible moments. And it, although it's not necessarily a World Cup final or a, I know, a, a big medal-winning match, like it's moments like that that are part of the World Cup that are, are special. Yeah, it was, uh, as you have said, it was a, especially a great moment because it was live-streamed and I, I think many in Hong Kong was very excited to watch that moment as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and yeah, we, we knew going into it would be hard to be challenging. And yeah, I, I was very proud to get that win. And also the winning at Slovakia late in the tournament as well. Um, two very hard uh, results from us. Um, and then, yeah, for 2022, um, from a personal perspective, that was a very different kind of challenge. Because uh, in 2018, we did have 
a few experienced players, people like Al Thomas, for example, uh, the coach, Sam Hunter-Baxter, yeah. Emma Sharoma Chow, um, but this kind of core of experienced players to build around. Um, whereas with last year, I mean, it was so sort of last minute, we only really organised it a few weeks before the tournament that we're having this roster and we were going to go to Ireland and play. Um, and a lot of the people on the team had maybe gone to a few trainings before, um, but certainly never played a competitive match. So I kind of lowered my expectations very early on, uh, made sure we focused on development, growth, learning from every game. Um, and like the Scotland game, I'm glad you brought it up. Um, that was, I think, was a real source of pride for us. And the, I think I mentioned this on the EG review podcast, but um, yeah, we, we all um, sat in the uh, apartment on the Saturday night and we we did some game analysis of, of Scotland the previous day on the live stream and sort of looked at what they did well, uh, how they defended, how they scored their goals, uh, and then brought that knowledge into the Scotland games. We were, re- we were so much more prepared than we were at the other games. Um, and we weren't afraid to, to take them on, this team that was a lot more experienced than than we were. And to give them a hard-fought game, yes, we, we lost in the end, but it was great to see the effort from the players and, yeah, see how well they prepared for it. Um, and also the win against Sweden as well. Um, actually being able to win a game... Um, even if uh, they didn't have many players. Uh, yeah, also very satisfying. Yeah, I think uh, we can uh, definitely see the improvement from our players uh, throughout the European Games. Yeah, definitely. Well, while we're here, we've got to shout out the um, the trophy lift as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I don't know if people saw the video in the community, but um, basically... Uh, so I, at work, I got given this little plastic trophy um, from from my boss. Just gave it to me. Um, she's like, I don't know, use it for something. And I was like, well, we do have this tournament coming up. Um, and because we were the only Asian team uh, competing at the European Games as, as a special guest, as I mentioned, uh and we were the only asian national team competing in the whole of 2022 i thought well this could be a really hard tournament uh we need to have highs we have something to celebrate so i told the team before the tournament that we are the asian champions because well we're the only team to to play from asia that year um so i got a official label from uh, an iqa volunteer so it's it's all legit uh d- definitely definitely legit um uh, winking very hard there um, and then at the end of the tournament, well, after we played Switzerland, our final game, um, we played uh, the Champions League music um, and gave everyone a, a fake medal. And then we had a, a trophy lift with this tiny plastic trophy, um, which was all very fun to recreate. Uh, and yeah, like I, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like the team really enjoyed it. I certainly did. <laughs> yeah, it's a great and fun moment. And uh it's worth celebrating uh, that we finished all these games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think going to the tournament with, with 14 players, I was like, this is going to be really difficult playing all these games and we're going to have, have to play a long time on pitch, a lot longer than maybe some of the players in the other more experienced teams. So to get through the tournament without having to forfeit any games, uh, play reasonably well with a very new team was a massive achievement. So 
nice to be able to have, have a trophy of sorts uh, to celebrate it. Um, yeah, but, I think, yeah, the players definitely enjoyed it. Yeah. And yeah, I think definitely. It's that, um, like uh, some of our, many of our players who first um, played quad ball in the team are still playing or even will be joining us in a squad to the World Cup this year. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was another thing that was on my mind that I wanted for, for this to be someone's first tournament. I didn't want them to go home and think, oh, we had a rubbish weekend. We, lo- we lost lots of matches, didn't have any fun. Oh, I, I hate this sport. I'm not going to try again. Um, that it was all about positive attitudes um, and making sure there was something to celebrate at the end of the weekend. And uh, yeah, I feel like as a coach, I got that balance right. And uh, the team did really well to buy into that vision um so yeah very, very rewarding um so now looking to this year and kind of what we're hoping to do in richmond over in the us um so how, how is the team preparing for the world cup and what do you say are the goals for the tournament um so we are all based at different places some of us are in hong kong like myself and we have some players in the UK, some in the North America. So we cannot really train together until a few days before the World Cup. But we are all individually training hard for the tournament. And we have uh, in Hong Kong quad ball trainings as well. Um, I think our goal is to give our best performances, give our best performance in any IQA tournament so far and win games. And maybe hopefully be uh, Asian champions again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that, Chris. Yeah, it's uh, definitely a, a big goal for us, I think. Um, but yeah, we've been doing our own bits of fitness and we've got a bit of a group chat going, um, spurring each other on, um, doing bits of sort of tactical preparation here or there as well, um, and just slowly knitting things together. Um, so I know before the 2018 World Cup, we didn't really prepare anything for the team until we got to Florence. And then it was a mad three days or so trying to do some training together, work out who's playing what position, who's playing in which like rotation, all of, all of this. Um, and then somehow putting it together. So I think with 2018 in mind um, and the very similar situation that players are really spread out and those who can train together can train together those who can't train separately um but yeah we're, we're i think we're trying to have a bit of a jump on what we had in 2018 so like my vision as a coach is that we have some ideas about what we want to do before we get to richmond and then in those training sessions we're just kind of yeah seeing if if the plan in my head um all works out and then whether we need to make any adjustments on top of that um and then yeah putting it out in the field on the weekend um and yeah as you're saying goals wise i think we're just yeah the, the main thing is that we go out there and we produce the best result we're capable of um and we don't know what that looks like because there's, there's so many unknowns this tournament um so we new teams teams we haven't seen for a long time um so we don't know how we're going to stack up with this roster which in, in my opinion, is the strongest we've ever put out um, for a World Cup. 
Um, it's, it's it's a real shame that there aren't more teams going going to the World Cup. Uh, as I think my goals back in November were, well, t- two of them were to get a better ranking we managed in 2018 and to finish higher ranked than the Hong Kong national rugby team. Well, I think about 22nd in the world currently. So we've already achieved both of those by just attending <laughs> the tournament. Um, but we'll definitely be 15th in the world at least by, by attending the tournament. Um, but obviously we want more than that. And yeah, we don't want to settle for that. We want to produce good performance and uh, yeah, maybe turn some heads, maybe get people to go, oh, do you know what? This this Hong Kong team, yeah, they're actually quite good. Uh, and yeah, maybe su- surprise some people on the way. Yeah. Um, uh, I think, yeah, I agree that this will be the best Hong Kong team that we ever have and hopefully we will do some good results yeah hopefully um and it's it's not necessarily about the wins or the losses as well it's about the way we play and also people learning especially at the hong kong based players be able to play at that level and take that knowledge back to hong kong take that energy back to hong kong and just keep the sport growing uh back home and across asia as well yeah i think that's also another vital aspect to, to what we're doing um so next question uh just in terms of the t- the players themselves um so out of all our roster um which hong kong players should the rest of the world be be watching out for at this world cup um i would say our captain jesse ho um i mean she has been very active in the local quad boss scene and she has been playing for a few years with us uh, a very dedicated player so i'm excited to see her play for hong kong for the first time at an iqa event mm-hmm. yeah good to shout jesse out there and uh, i mean we made a captain for a reason right it's that passion and that willingness to improve and to grow with the sport um and yeah i'm very excited to, to play alongside Jesse at this tournament. Um, and yeah, in terms of uh, our new new additions, um, we've got a few players from North America, USA and Canada. Um, so I think uh, those those who, who know the sport over in the US will be familiar with Mike Lee, uh, who plays for the New York Titans at MLQ level, um, New York Slice, um, the club level. Uh, yeah, just excellent all-round chaser and keeper. Um, yeah, I think be a, a real leader for this team, and uh, also Tim Kwan, uh, who's one of the beaters who won the national title in the US with uh, the University of Rochester, as they famously beat uh, the University of Texas back in 2018. Um, key player with them, and is now a member of uh, Boom Train uh, over sort of Chicago way, which one of the top club teams in the US. Um, and the other player is going to shout out. Um, that's new to the roster is uh, Jess Sang, who previously played with uh, Canada at the 2018 World Cup. I know back then they were very passionate about wanting to help the Hong Kong team, but was they were already busy playing for Canada, so couldn't couldn't do too much. But these days, as uh, being able to commit to playing for Hong Kong, 
um, and has already brought lots of energy, ideas, enthusiasm to the team. And uh, yeah, I'm excited what they can do for for us uh, on this roster. Yeah, it's very exciting to have uh, Hong Kong players, but based in North America, players who can play for us um, to join us and see what the team can do. Yeah, definitely. Um, just like to have that extra experience around, um, sort of take the burden off the likes of myself, um, off Emma Sharoma Chow, who's with both previous members of the team, previous sort of experienced players on the roster. So it's good to have that uh, to help us, basically. Um, and now flipping the question around, uh, which teams and players uh, do you want to play against at the World Cup? Um, I would say uh, Japan, uh, one of the other Asian teams in a tournament. Uh, I think it will be Japan's first appearance at an IQA tournament. And uh, quad board development in Japan has been really remarkable in recent years. I think they have like maybe five to six active teams and a national competition every year. And in the past Asian Pacific quad ball cup, I think actually the top three teams are all Japanese teams. So they have really strong players locally. Um, and I think it would be really exciting to play against them, them uh, two East Asian teams playing against each other and see what we can do. Yeah, that's a good answer, actually. Um, and good, good to share that about Japan. Um, I found we recorded the episode with Japan, and that was a really fascinating one for me to learn about. And yeah, obviously, you, you know more about Japanese quad ball than I do. Um, but I'm very excited to see what this team is like on the pitch. And uh, yeah, having heard so many positive things about them. Um, and I think for me personally, um, there's a few teams that I'd like to play against. I think ideally, I just want to play teams that we've never played against before. Um, I think... The two that instantly jumped to mind would be Australia, I think. Um, having seen them play the World Cup since, since 2016 and 2018, and then, yeah, obviously seen them last year at European Games. Um, so a team I've watched and followed for a long time, got got familiar with the players on that team. Um, and, yeah, it'd, it'd be very cool to play them in an actual game. And then the same with the US. Um, anyone who knows me and my passion for the sport and how much I follow the sport around the world knows how how um, how much I enjoy following the US game and yeah I'm sort of very inspired by that in many ways um so it'd be an absolute honor and a privilege if you have to play against the USA uh, and to play against the likes of Augustine Augustine Monroe and Lindsay Morella Julia Bear uh all these players that i've been watching for years and years and have been very fortunate to meet and even, even have the podcast at points um but it's it's one thing watching it, it's another thing getting a chance to play it um so yeah I'd very much be honored to play against either australia or the us yeah i think it will be a great experience for all of our players to learn against these great quad ball nations. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think that that's yeah. As I say, that that's one thing that um, the World Cup's about. It's uh, 
yeah, we want to see those top end games, but we also want to have those kind of culture clashes, those cross continental games that don't happen that often, um, just for a bit of variety, you know, and for us, it's a chance to learn from the very best and to see how we match up sort of where our gaps are, um, where we're doing well, um, all those kinds of things. Um, so yeah, uh, very excited to kind of play, play new and different teams as and when we can. Um, so our final question of the episode, uh, which I've asked every team so far, um, to finish. Uh, so if Hong Kong make the World Cup final, which would already be a dream come true, honestly, that'd be uh, incredible. Um, who, who are we going to be playing in the final and why? And there's two parts to this. We've got part one is how would your head answer this question, sort of the logical side of your brain? And part two, how would your heart answer this question? So more the emotional side answering the question yeah what do you reckon chris um i think my head would answer this question like uh we play against us i mean they are one of the best teams in a row and they will be playing uh in their own country so they are probably the favorites to reach the finals um and my heart says that uh i think we would like to play a final against japan it would be really great to have two East Asian teams in the World Cup final one day. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, actually. Um, and yeah, I think, well, for any country that isn't the US, I'll be very excited to hear their answer to that question. Um, the head answer is the US, uh, just with the amount of talent there. They just released their roster yesterday. So uh, yeah, yeah, again, lots of really exciting talent uh, on display and... Yeah, it'd be uh, you have to be a pretty brave person to bet against them. Um, and then, yeah, I guess the hot answer, like Japan, would be great. Um, it'd be great to show the strength of Asian quad ball um, on the world stage. And yeah, I'd love to have that match happen. If that's the final, even better. Um, I think on on a very personal level, my hot answer would have to be England uh, as a team that's. Well, very close to me. I mean, these days I literally live a 10-minute cycle away from the, from the national team train. Um, but also in terms of um, playing in England, um, growing up here um, after leaving Hong Kong uh, and yeah, playing in the community, getting to know the personalities. Um, I know how hard they're working for, for this day in, day out. Um, I know how long they've been waiting for this tournament. Uh, so to play a final against them, like it'd be obviously great to be in the final with them. But either way, there, I, I, I consider it a win either way. That <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, having sort of seen the development of the team, and I, I'd be even if we lost, I'd be very happy that they'd won in the end. But yeah, Chris, you got any closing remarks? Any closing thoughts? Um, yeah, I just. Hope to see everyone at the World Cup and I think Team Hong Kong is looking forward to play against other teams and make friends in the tournament. Yeah, definitely. I'm very excited to to bring this uh, version of the Hong Kong national team to the World Cup. And yeah, for me personally, it's always just been 
a real pleasure to play with the national team uh, to be able to help the sport grow back in Hong Kong, um, which is obviously very, uh, very important part of my personal identity, um, but also growing the sport in Asia as well. And any time we get to play is a real privilege. Um, it's, just, it's not just another tournament for me. It's yeah, it's it's amazing to be able to say to people, yeah, I'm an I'm an international athlete and I'm a, I'm a, I'm a head coach for the team and uh we, we get to play at the world cup it's always something when you tell people outside the sport that they find amazing and yeah it's, it's something that i don't take lightly uh, and yeah i just hope that we can uh over the next few weeks keep the preparation up and then uh produce a performance we're truly proud of um that's that's the main thing at the end of the day with any sport really like if you can leave the tournament knowing yeah i put my best effort out there did everything i could do and I had a really amazing weekend meeting all these people from around the world, playing against all these amazing players. That's that's all you can ask for from, from a World Cup. Yeah, I think I agree. I think it's really an honour to play for Team Hong Kong at Quad Ball. I think it's really a great chance to let people in Hong Kong know there's a sport called Quad Ball and to let Quad Ball players around the world know there's a place called Hong Kong. Yeah, definitely. Um, and yeah, like, especially as you were mentioning before in the episode, like Hong Kong's not necessarily known for its sporting prowess. There's not, especially on like a team level. Um, there's a few kind of successful individuals in in other sports, um, but there's never been much of a a team sport history, at least on the international stage. Um, so being able to put such a a small place on the map. Um, and playing at the highest level of a sport, yeah, it's, it's a it's a big pleasure, and uh, yeah, looking forward to yeah giving it our best shot. <laughs> yeah, um, we're going to wrap up the episode there. Uh, but Chris, it's been fantastic. Um, thank you for saving me from, as I was saying, a very awkward self interview that otherwise might have happened. Um, <laughs> and to to share the history of the sport in Hong Kong and all the effort that you and the other people in Hong Kong and well overseas as well have put into making the sport work in Hong Kong and also the, the national team as well. And yeah, what we're all striving for. So thank you very much for, for your time. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. No problem. Uh, we hope you listeners have enjoyed this episode as we've done making it. Uh, if you want to step to date, with future episodes of the Total Quad Ball podcast and the remaining episodes of the Road to Richmond World Cup project, which there's only two left. Um, any guesses as to which ones those are, um, you've got a good chance of getting them right. Um, but yeah, please give the Total Quad Ball Facebook page a like. Uh, that's where we announce uh, all our episodes when they go live. Um, obviously, they all get posted to the Spotify page as well. So if you're on Spotify, you'll find us as and when an episode gets uploaded. Uh, until next time, keep yourself safe and live the game. Goodbye.